This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes. Here at the Orthotics and Prosthetics Workshops at the UCSF Medical Center, the quest to help amputees regain their mobility and independence begins in earnest. The crafting of a prosthetic limb is a collaborative process that will involve both the patient and the person who will make the limb, also called the prosthetist. Here is UCSF Medical Center prosthetist and orthotist Hannah Dollard explaining the process. The process of getting a prosthesis is lengthy, kind of with the intention of it being that way. It's a whole re-education, so there's a couple different steps in the process. The first one is the evaluation, and that's really important because it gives us an opportunity to see exactly what that person may need. Not everyone's the same. We have a choice of a lot of different components, lots of different feet. It's our job to decide which ones of those are best for you based on what your needs are. Over the past several months, Hannah has been working with Don, a patient at UCSF's SFGH Orthopedic Trauma Institute. During these appointments, she begins to undertake the process of creating his new prosthetic limb. In order to make a prosthesis, we have to first copy the leg or arm that's left over, or the residual limb, we call it. So the process of that, going through a casting, we use plaster, wrap, and capture the shape of someone's leg. This is a cast of a below-knee amputee. This is what a cast looks like. It's hollow inside, it's just a copy of the limb and that is going to be very customized again based on where we can place pressure, where we can't. We're never trying to put pressure on the bottom or weight-bearing area of a cut bone, so we always try to make that comfortable, but in order to do that we have to copy the, the shape of the leg or arm. And then once we have the cast, we fill it with plaster so that we get a positive model. Uh, and that positive model is the exact copy of your leg at the time that we cast, but sometimes we'll change it a little bit to increase or reduce pressure in certain areas, and that's the modification process. A plaster model will more resemble the shape of the limb, and we'll make the prosthesis off of that, the socket. And then once everything's modified and ready to go, then we heat up a sheet of plastic in the oven that will be vacuum formed around the positive model so that it becomes a copy of um, the leg so that it captures the shape of the model so that we have a negative copy of the leg the way we've modified it. That's the test socket. Once we have it copied, we'll break out the plaster until it's a clean, nice socket and that's what we'll bring to our initial test socket fitting. what this is, is a plastic test socket or rough draft version. Uh, The plastic is brittle, so it's not a long-term device, but it allows uh, a lot of changes within a short amount of time. We can heat it and relieve certain painful areas or add pressure where we want more, just so that it's really comfortable. And this is the foundation of the whole prosthesis, the test socket, because if this isn't comfortable on someone's leg or arm, then they're not going to want to wear it. So this we spend the most time with. This is the most important part. It is important to note that there are a few ways to create a prosthetic test socket. 
The process Hannah uses now is the most common and illustrates the hands-on aspect of working in plaster as opposed to computer modification. These techniques vary with each individual and are constantly updating, so the experience can vary from patient to patient. Here, Hannah is fitting Don with his initial test socket. During this process, she will try to determine how Don's residual limb fits within the socket and whether or not there are any points of pain or discomfort that need to be accounted for in the final socket. Once we have a very comfortable fitting with just the socket, we'll attach whatever is needed underneath. So whether that's a knee, if you're an amputee above the knee, or just a foot, that socket is the attachment point for all those things. So we'll attach those in the initial socket fitting and have the patient walk, uh, make sure it's comfortable, sometimes send them home on it, sometimes just do it in the office. And then once that whole system is comfortable and stable, then we'll go to a final socket made out of fiberglass or carbon. And that carbon socket is more durable and doesn't, isn't going to be easily adjusted, but it'll last as long as needed. Now that you've had a look at how a prosthetic limb is created, let's take a closer look at what the experience is like from the patient's perspective. One of the first steps in creating a prosthetic limb is casting the patient's residual limb to create the test socket. Here's a closer look at Don's casting, with Hannah describing some of the items and equipment that are used in this process. On this table we have all of our tools set up to prepare for casting. This is kind of the spread you would see if you were to come for a casting appointment. The first thing here, this may or may not apply to everybody, but this is a nylon sock, just a basic sock. Um, it's really elastic and stretchy. We'll use it as a barrier to your skin just when we're trying on test liners. The process of putting a sock or liner on your residual limb is referred to as donning. Conversely, removing a sock or liner, as seen here, is referred to as doffing. These terms will be important to remember as they are frequently used. Next we have our gel liner, which is in this case locking to be used with a locking suspension later. It, we don't use this style for everybody, but this is one of our more common liners. This is what will roll straight onto the skin. We'll turn it inside out. It's cushioned on the inside to provide relief for bony prominences but um, the gel gets rolled onto the leg and is sticky, so it provides suspension and padding. I'll use tape to mark out length on the residual limb, just regular masking tape to help me um, keep my inch increments. I use a tape measure to take circumference measurements around the residual limb. Also for length of the foot, and the knee to the ground and those length and other anatomical measurements we use a tape measure for, usually in centimeters. This contraption is a little bit old school. It measures the front and back of the knee 
and these dimensions are really important to maintain a stable socket fit. So we monitor these measurements over time. Interestingly, we use saran wrap. When we're um, casting over the gel liner, we want to protect the fabric, so we wrap the saran wrap on top of the gel liner to protect it, and I also use the stretchiness of the saran wrap to help pre-shape the tissue on your residual limb. So it does two purposes, protects the gel liner and helps kind of tighten everything around the leg. Then we have our plaster. We use plaster for casting instead of fiberglass most of the time. We think that plaster gets a really nice um, intimate mold. So we'll I'll use a variety of different plaster wraps and water to capture the shape. We use it, we make it really thick and sometimes it can get a little warm during the casting, but with the gel liner, it acts as a barrier. So it should never be uncomfortable. The, and this plaster cast is removed right away. So it doesn't stay on your skin long. It's also washable. So if it does get on your clothes, then it can be washed right off or kind of picked off. It's not a permanent thing if it gets on clothes. As we saw in the first section, the casting of a patient's residual limb is integral to the process of creating the test socket. A week after Don's residual limb was cast, he returns to try on the test socket that Hannah has created for him. Here's Hannah explaining that process. Today, um, Mr. Case came in and we came over and talked about what the plan was. So part of the process is just like expectation and talked about what our goals were for today. Our goals today were for to do our initial test socket fitting and to potentially walk, but I didn't guarantee it because our test socket is the most important part of the prosthesis. And if that's uncomfortable, then we don't proceed until we have something comfortable. So today we talked about our goals then I re-educated him on um, gel liner, uh, use and care, donning and doffing, explained about the pin lock and did a little education about how the pin suspension works, made sure he understood it initially, and then we put on the socket for the first time and did our initial test socket fits. Fit, fitting criteria where I test rotation and different core systems to make sure statically it's comfortable and not causing any pain. I evaluated the volume and decided to add socks. So then we, I added a series of socks, a five-ply, a four-ply, and a two-ply, educated him about sock-ply management. We talked about the Goldilocks principle, and um, which is our sock-ply management explanation. Having a well-fitting socket requires daily sock ply management from the user. If the socket is too loose, then pain at the bottom of the limb will become common and can cause skin breakdown. If the socket is too tight, then numbness and tingling can cause the wearer to feel the need to remove the prosthesis to relieve the pressure. The ideal fit is somewhere in between, not too loose and not too tight. This is referred to as the Goldilocks principle. This ideal socket fit can be difficult to balance when sensation in the residual limb is limited, or if the wearer experiences significant volume changes in their limb throughout the day as a result of medication, diet, and exercise. Working with your prosthetist is key in establishing a comfortable socket fit. 
and then um, he stood up with the walker. Um, I performed the static alignment, so I looked at his height and his initial alignment in a standing position, confirmed his safety and made sure he was comfortable, and then started walking, training with steps, starting with a single step and then doing step two gait and then progressing to step over step with the help of Michelle, physical therapist. We kind of tag teamed and um, worked off each other to start teaching him more about um, even weight shifting and um, using kind of his whole body and trunk to really stabilize himself when he was walking. While Don was able to get on his feet for the first time since the accident at this appointment, Hannah will need to take the test socket back to the lab for some minor adjustments so that it will better fit Don's residual limb. This is common, as a test socket will often have to be altered several times before the best fit can be achieved. Over the course of the next several visits, Hannah continues to adjust the test socket to more comfortably fit Don's residual limb. These visits also give both prosthetist and patient a chance to work together on fine-tuning all aspects of the prosthetic. It also gives Don an opportunity to continue to adapt to the new limb. Hannah has Don test everything from balance to gait to ensure that when it comes time for the final socket, everything is dialed in. After a handful of visits, and about five months after losing his foot, the day has come for Don to receive his finished prosthetic limb. During this process, Hannah takes some time to explain the needed maintenance. It's always important to wipe down both your residual limb and the interior of your gel liner after removing it, as sweat will build up on each. At the end of the day, turn your gel liner inside out and gently wash it in the sink, using only water and hand soap. It's important to never use dish soap or anything stronger than hand soap, as doing so can damage the liner. After washing, gently dry your liner and hang it on the rack it comes with, or on its side. With proper maintenance, your gel liner should last about six months. While Dawn's experience is one example of the process of getting a prosthesis, each patient's experience and timetable will be unique based on the specifics of their situation. To learn more, or if you have questions about any of the topics covered in this video, be sure to discuss them with your prosthetist or your physical or occupational therapist. And to see interviews with Don and other amputee patients, be sure to view the documentary, Recovery, available as part of this video series. You know, this life I'm living now is not as physical as it was before. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.